Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome aboard, everybody. Episode 90 of the Talk is Cheap podcast, the final Talk is Cheap podcast for the NFL draft. This is James Cratch. As always, Dan Duggan is with me. Joe Giglio, who usually is our host, he is not here for a very good reason. Him and his wife just had a beautiful baby girl, so congratulations to them. Uh, Dan and I are going to try not to screw this up, bring us home. So taping this on a Monday, Dan, NFL draft on Thursday. I can't, It's kind of a bittersweet thing, I, I feel like, <laughs> when the draft comes. Yeah, I mean, I'm ready for it to get here, you know, but it definitely, it's a fun process. My first time really going through it, uh, you know, from soup to nuts with starting after the season, all the combine and the pro days and, and tracking all that, obviously the endless amount of mock drafts. So it's certainly been uh, a big part of our lives, a big part of our daily lives the last couple of months. Uh, but I think I probably speak for most people who either are in the business or just following it, kind of ready for Thursday to get here and, and let's get this show on the road. Definitely. It's it's a really long process. I mean, you know, if you cover a team like the Jets, it almost feels like it starts in November. <laughs> uh, the Giants went to the playoffs. Obviously, it didn't really start for them until after the Super Bowl. But it's here now, a couple days to go. I talked to Jerry Reese last week. Uh, there's been all the conference calls with various draft analysts, all the mock drafts. Giants are the number 23 pick. Do you feel, Dan, like there is a big splash on the horizon Thursday night? I really don't, and I think that's just kind of part and parcel with having the 23rd pick. I mean, obviously, the way you make a big splash is probably to have a bad year the year before, so the Giants would take this. Um, you know, I think the one way you can make a splash if you have the 23rd pick, uh, well, I guess there's probably two ways. One, if they take a quarterback, and I think we'll probably get into that a little bit later, but I think uh, the real way they could make a splash would be trading up, and it's obviously something... Jerry Reese has never done in the first round. I think this is this 10th or 11th draft. Uh, never done it, so there's no track record to suggest that he will. He kind of touched on it last week in the kind of Jerry Reese speak that he likes to, to do before the draft where he really doesn't say much of anything. Um, but I think some people read his comments as maybe he's open to it. But I think everyone's open to it uh, in the right situation. Myself, personally, I just don't see it. I mean, if there's a situation where um, – I, mean, I think we're talking about – very specific players that would be worth trading up for. So if there's a situation where somehow OJ Howard or maybe even Christian McCaffrey is, is falling into like the late teens and you only have to move up, you know, a handful of spots, it's only going to cost you maybe what a third round pick. I think if the, if the chart is, is accurate in my head, um, maybe I can see that, but I don't think those guys are going to be slipping that far. So then you're really talking about, they'd have to go up into the top 10. 
I don't, I don't, I don't see that as worth it. I don't know if you think uh, one of those guys is, is worth it. The, uh, not that you do a Ricky Williams trade and give up the whole draft, but I, I just don't see any of these guys as worth, you know, really kind of mortgaging the future to get up to the sixth pick or the fifth pick or, you know, wherever you'd have to go to really get uh, some of these big time difference makers. No, I agree. I, I think I, I didn't really understand why some people thought that Jerry you know, intimated that he wanted to trade up. I mean, I thought what Jerry said, you know, he basically said that obviously to trade up, you, you've got to give up picks. And, you know, the Giants like to take their picks. I mean, it's not a team. It's not like they're sitting on, you know, four compensation picks. And, you know, they only have seven picks. And I just find it hard to believe that unless it's a guy like a Howard or a McCaffrey, they're going to be willing to part with not only a pick, but. You know, a third round pick is worth a lot. I mean, a third round. I know the Giants haven't been good in the third round, but yeah, they might want to just get off the third round picks. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, they think Darian Thompson might kind of break that bad spell, but I agree with you. I think Howard and McCaffrey are the two guys that come to mind. Um, you know, if the Giants love a guy like Derek Barnett or Jonathan Allen or Solomon Thomas, who there's no way Solomon Thomas is going to drop into the late teens. I mean, that could happen. I mean, I think it's entirely possible that. That would probably be the most likely scenario besides McCaffrey and Howard, I think, is that some guy that, you know, everybody loves that the Giants have high on their board, but, you know, we didn't really hear about them because no one ever thought the Giants have a chance to get them uh, falls there. And uh, we'll talk about quarterbacks later, but that's the only other thing. Like if a guy like Trubisky or, or Watson has a big fall, maybe the Giants just decide to go for it. But I don't expect to trade up. Uh, Jerry is never traded down in any round. That's amazing. And while I think, you know, obviously there could be some benefits to that, I also don't, I think what Jerry said kind of early on, I think they're going to pick at 23 and that's, they're just going to take whoever's there. It's funny. That might have been his most revealing question and answer. And it was kind of to a uh, half joking question where someone, you know, he, he stepped up to the podium and said, you know, I'll take any questions. And someone said, who are you going to pick? And he said, you know, he kind of just deadpan, like, well, we're going to make our pick. I mean, obviously no one's going to hold him to that, but it's, it's probably the most, you know, locks all thing. If you just look at his, his track record, uh, I, I honestly think trading down probably should be a consideration only because, like you said, if someone slides, and especially those quarterbacks, and again, we'll get into the quarterbacks, I don't think they should be taking one at 23. But let's just say Watson's there or, or someone, or Mahomes is there. So that means probably one of these teams up top in the draft, you know, whether it's the Browns or the Jets or whoever it may be, Jets, Jets Giants trade probably unlikely, but uh, they're on the top of my head. But anyways, a team like that, you know, not a very good team that has some holes, drafts a player at another position early and then says, man, the quarterback is that we want is still there. I think the Giants could you get a pretty good haul at that place and maybe if it's say it's the Browns and you just move back to the top of the second round that might be something worth considering you pick up a few extra picks um again it's not something Jerry's done which again I think is just really remarkable uh you see how well it's worked for teams like the Patriots and I think it's just a uh just a good business model to to try and acquire as many picks as possible so you're not swinging for the fences on every one uh, but that's a situation I could actually see. I don't think they will do it just again based on his track record but if you do see one of those quarterbacks falling rather than the Giants grabbing them i think there might be enough value to, to maybe just trade back a little bit uh and pick up a few extra picks uh again for a team that doesn't really need that quarterback so that, that's something I, I would think would be interesting if that situation starts to unfold where you have a, a deshaun watson or or mahomes or, or even trubisky maybe uh falling all the way to 23 yeah the only thing that kind of stands out in, and like look a lot of giants fans have brought that up obviously you've got the texans at 25 they're probably looking for a quarterback and I was, you know, but the Raiders, 24 aren't, you know, Giants aren't, 22, Dolphins, 
probably not. Lions, definitely not at 21. Broncos, Bucks, you know, Titans. You know, I just feel like the Giants could shop that 23 pick, but I think it would be very easy for a team like Houston that is desperate to then go move up ahead of 23. So I, I don't wonder how big of a haul the Giants can get for that pick just because it would have to be right on the clock, I think. So I think that would be a big factor. I think they're going to have to be nimble. They're going to have to work the phones in crunch time potentially and make some you know, in-the-fire decisions about what to do with this pick if a trade-down possibility happens. So we touched on it a couple times. Let's just jump right into the quarterback thing. I think the Giants should take one. I don't think you do. So I'll let you start. Where do you stand on the whole quarterback question? Because Jerry... And he admitted that he's watched quarterbacks more this year than in the past. He's studied them more, which I guess could be telling, but maybe not. Yeah, I, I think I'll, I think argument has to break down. There has to be a little bit of a, a second layer because I don't think it's all or nothing. I don't think they should take one in the first round by any means. I don't think they should take one in the second round. Pretty much any point for that, I think I'd be okay with it. Obviously, it you know depends on the player, but if you're getting one in the third round, it's probably someone who's you know a solid player. I don't think they're going to reach for a quarterback in the third round if a lot of the top guys are off the board. Maybe your boy Nate Peterman uh, is there in the third round, and I certainly wouldn't object to that because I know it would break your heart. But um, no, I, I think if anything after that, if you're talking day three, I'm not opposed to taking a flyer on if it's a you know a Gerard Evans or a, a Joshua Dobbs, one of those types of guys who definitely is going to need some time, but. I think the guys at the top end are going to need some time. And obviously everything with the Giants is going to be time because you expect Eli Manning to start every game like he does every year for at least the next year or two, probably three, to, to finish out his contract at minimum. Who knows if, uh, if there's an expiration date, if he kind of uh, bounces back this year. I think the conversation will change a little bit. So my biggest thing is just don't think this is the year to do it. Not a great quarterback class. None of these guys – it's like just because you take a guy at 23 – doesn't mean he's going to be a good player just because he used a first-round pick. I mean, I did a, a review a couple of weeks ago. Pretty much those guys from 20 to 32 flop more often than not. I mean, you, you know, it's not a it's not a strong uh, track record of guys. You, you're not getting an automatic starter at that spot. Obviously, you're not really getting one of the top 10 if you, if you even look at that. So, for me, first two rounds, they have needs that they can get guys who can step in immediately, help this team win a Super Bowl this year, win a Super Bowl in 2018, and still be good players You know, for the duration of their careers. Obviously, a quarterback wouldn't help in that endeavor at all. Uh, so to me, it's just not even an option for me in the first two rounds. After that, like I said, I'm definitely more flexible. And you know, if, if it's in the later rounds, I have no problem with it at all. See, I, I look, I think ideally they wouldn't take one in the first round. The only way I think you take one in the first round is if Trubisky or Watson somehow falls there. Or if you're just convinced that Mahomes is the guy and – I'm certainly not convinced of that. The reason why I say second round is because I just have a feeling that we've spent months talking about how this isn't a great quarterback class and these you know, guys next year are so much better and blah, 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 blah. Quarterback is still the most important position in the league, and I just feel like they're going to overdraft these guys. So if you're the Giants and you like a guy like Peterman or you like a guy like Kaiser as a second-round pick or, or, you know, I just feel like you're going to get to a point potentially where you might be on the board at 23 and you might be thinking, okay, uh, Watson's gone, Trubisky's gone, someone's probably going to take Davis Webb. I just feel like there's good, there's going to be an, a rush to overdraft, so you, you might have to take that guy at 55, you know, if it's, if it's Webb or Peterman, uh, who you think, okay, I, I think Webb wouldn't necessarily be the guy. I think Peterman would be more of that, but 
if you if you have him on a third round grade, you might have to take him in a second because he's not going to last to the third. And I think that's, that's the calculus the Giants make. Oh, sorry, jumping. That's but that's where I would disagree with because again, I just don't think they're in a position where they need to reach. Like I get what you're saying, and if it was a different team with different needs, I could see that because obviously quarterbacks get overdrafted, and, and like you said, if it's if it's taking a guy who have a third round grade in the second round, you can kind of justify that. But I don't think the Giants can because I think they'll be a defensive tackle, they'll be an offensive lineman, they'll be a tight end, they'll be somebody who. Uh, you know, has a chance to make a bigger impact earlier, uh, who has a second round grade of 55. So to me, it'd be strange to reach for Peterman, who you hope develops you know, into a starter in four years uh, when you can get a defensive tackle who might have to step in and start from day one. I mean, it's it's so complicated. It's, it's fun to talk about because we have no idea what's going to happen. Jerry Reese has no idea what's going to happen. That's, that's why it's funny. You know, everyone obviously tries to re- report as much as we can about what teams are thinking, but the teams don't even know what's going to happen. So sure, they might say, oh, I don't think we're going to get, you know, this player or we like this player. Well, that's all well and good and it gives us something to talk about, but they don't know how the 22 teams in front of them are going to draft. So things could totally change in an instant. That's what makes it fun. That's why it's a, a made for TV event. That's why it's on prime time now. But um, I think with what you can control, I just wouldn't reach for a quarterback. I guess this is where I stand on the whole quarterback. They've got time. They don't have to reach, but at the same time, Eli is coming off a season where he was he was mediocre. He mm-hmm. he wasn't very good. And while he didn't show any necessarily physical drop off, I just feel like if you're the Giants, it's better to have your option in hand. And look, I, look, I'm not saying if they draft Nate Peterman, if they Kaiser, whoever, I'm not saying that guy necessarily is going to be the man after Eli. Uh, they might look at him for a year, like the Jets maybe have done with Hackenberg, and say. We misfired on this one. Let's go get another quarterback. But my point is, I just feel like you it's better off to have the option and now. Because what happens if Eli has another mediocre season and you do see a physical drop-off in 2017? So now you're in 2018. There's even more pressure on it. And you might you know, play yourself into a bad hand. You know, oh, this quarterback class is great. We're going to – I mean, I just don't see the Giants – being in position to draft Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold next year. I mean, even if Eli is mediocre, I still think this is a 9-10 win team. Yeah, and and I think... Give up that draft capital next year? I just think the Giants would be better off getting a quarterback in here now because they develop him for a year. And if Eli bounces back and has a big season and everything looks great, then, all right, you got this guy, and maybe in a year, you know, he can be the backup quarterback. Because I think a lot of Giants fans, they are operating on the assumption that Eli is going to play the next three years. He's going to be fine and he's going to retire. And they hope, you know, he's going to win a Super Bowl and fly off into the sunset on a <laughs> unicorn or something. It doesn't work that way. I mean, Eli could wake up and just have a major drop off. That's kind of how it happens with some of these players. I think we're sort of in the same mindset on quarterbacks. I think it's maybe you're willing to take one a little earlier, but bottom line is I think we both don't think it's a good idea first round. So when we start talking about what would be a good idea first round, I think the spot that most people want to see this team address is offensive line. And I think it's really uh, interesting because it's not a great offensive line draft. So it's, it's one of those years, obviously, you want your needs to match up with the, the depth of a class or the talent of a class. And this is pretty much worst case scenario in that respect. They need offensive line badly. And, you know, you have analysts, you know, Mike Mayock or Daniel Jeremiah, who've done this for a long time and say this is one of the worst offensive line classes, at least at the top. And that's what the Giants need. They need starters. They're not really worried about projects as much. Uh, so that's concerning. 
Uh, I think we've certainly seen that. I think the Giants, through some back channels, have been trying to get that message out. And I, I think probably we, maybe you can give your hypothesis on why they might be doing that. I guess they don't have our phone numbers. But um, I think they maybe are trying to cushion the public a little bit because I think there's a expectation and a demand from the fan base that you need to go draft a left tackle. You need to go draft Eric Flowers' replacement. And then when Jerry Reese you know, steps up on the podium on Thursday night and explains why they drafted a defensive end or a linebacker, I think they want to let – kind of soften the blow and let the public know that, listen, we just didn't like the tackles in this class. We didn't think they were upgrades to Eric Flowers. We didn't think they were capable of stepping in at day one. I'm uh, curious if you think that they do, you know, if that's accurate. And, you know, why do you think maybe the Giants are kind of maybe going with this back channel approach to uh, to get their message out? Dan, I mean, look, when when draft season comes around, you know, there's all smoke screens, misinformation. Don't really see what the Giants would accomplish with a smokescreen telling the world that they don't like the offensive tackles, if they were going to take one, because then you'd have a fan base that basically is preconditioned to think that you just took a guy who's not that good. I think it's a couple things. I think one, it, it's they're trying to kind of you know circle the wagons behind Eric Flowers. You know, I mean, he has struggled and and it's an issue for them. And I, look, I think it's very questionable that all of a sudden he's going to put it together in year three and this is going to work out as a pick, but. They didn't get a guy in free agency. This isn't a great tackle class. They don't really have a choice, in my opinion. They kind of got to go with this. I do think Utah's Garrett Bowles is an option at 23. I know the Giants like him. I think he's the best of the group. So depending on who else is there at 23, I could see Bowles being the pick. Don't expect Bowles to be there just because I think he's the best of the group. And there's going to be teams ahead of him. Broncos at 20 stand out. The Broncos desperately need an offensive lineman. The Seahawks, if they want to move up, they desperately, desperately need an offensive lineman. Cam Robinson, I'm a little less sure about the guy from Alabama. Uh, very accomplished career in the SEC. You just see a lot of differing opinions on him. Can he be a left tackle? Can he be a right tackle? Has some off-field concerns. Uh, not 100% sure what the Giants would do. My, my hunch tells me the Giants would not take him at 23. Uh, but if no one else is there, I think they would. Ramchick from Wisconsin, I just, you know, he doesn't have a tremendous amount of high-level college experience. I don't his bowls, but off-field concerns, you know, how much he you know, his passion about football. He kind of left football for a time, had a hip surgery, injury concerns. So I just think all things considered, I get why the Giants are trying to kind of distance themselves from the offensive line group, just because I think they want to create a sense of, support behind Flowers and also acknowledge that they're not going to get a magic bullet in this draft. But that being said, I do think that if Bowles is there at 23 and some of the other guys they've targeted aren't there and some of the guys that, you know, there's no big drop guy there, I could see them taking Bowles. But then again, the question becomes, okay, so you have Bowles. Well, I mean, are Flowers and Bowles basically going to alternate tackle spots in the summer to try to figure out who plays where? Or are you going to keep Flowers a left tackle for a year, Bowles at right tackle, what the Giants probably wish they could have done with Flowers, you know, all things considered. You know, they can't control, obviously, that Will Beattie got hurt that year. And then maybe if Flowers is another bad year, then you go to Bowles as the left tackle in 2018. But it's kind of a, it's a touchy subject, and I think that, all things considered, the Giants probably are planning on just not taking an offensive lineman in the first round. And then if you add a guy like Antonio Garcia from Troy in the second round or someone of that sort, you've got a little bit more wiggle room with how to proceed with Flowers. 
Yeah, so I think that's where they're at. Maybe not going to get an offensive lineman in the first round. Like I said, that's tough because they, they certainly need it. But maybe you get a guy in the second round who can come in and compete, at least maybe if not push flowers, maybe maybe win the right tackle job, maybe be a guy for for you know down the road that can develop a little bit. But that's, that's just not a great situation that, that they're in right now with, with needing an offensive lineman and maybe not being able to find one with that first-round pick. Uh, I know something that you, know, you wanted to talk about was – uh, just kind of if, if their options are off the board. And I think it's a little harder to project because at 23, uh, there's so many, almost more options in a way. Because if you're like at five, there might only be five guys you really want with that pick. And, and you have to scramble a little bit more. But let's just say that at 23, uh, you know, some of the top targets we've identified, whether it's Bowles or, or Jared Davis uh, or, or some of these pass rushers that have been linked to the Giants, maybe Hassan Reddick, or, you know, all those guys. Let's just say McCaffrey, O.J. Howard, Njoku, on down the line. They're all gone somehow, and, and and the needs don't match up to what the Giants have. What do you think is kind of their you know emergency break the glass plan? Like this is what we do at twenty three if the, if the top ten guys we want somehow are all gone. That's a great question. Uh, we kind of experienced this last year with Eli Apple, obviously when when Conklin and uh, Leonard Floyd went off the board. I mean, I've said this for a lot of teams, and I keep on coming back to this. I think Jabril Peppers, you know, besides obviously the Jersey connections, he just to me makes sense. If it, I just feel like if unless a team has a surefire plan for how to use him, he's going to be one of those guys where you, know, you just get in a tight spot in the draft, and some, some team's going to go, okay, uh, we know this guy has a ton of talent. We know we can do a lot of very different things. He's versatile. You know, Jerry Reese kind of alluded to the fact that he saves you a roster spot or two because he can return kicks and he can play defensive back and you know he can he can special teams and you know maybe he can moonlight on offense. Uh, this maybe is a pick like that where they just take a guy like Jabril Peppers and they figure well, here's a tool and we're just going to give it to Spags and he's going to find a way to make it work. I also think that. Any of those pass rushers, those second-tier pass rushers, you know, a Tack McKinley, a Tyus Bowser, uh, maybe even a T.J. Watt, although I think he's more of a 3-4 guy. You just take one of those guys and say, you know, again, we're going to figure out a way to make him work in Steve Spagnuolo's defense. We'll we'll find a way to harness his abilities and and use it to better our team. I, I think that you're more likely to see a pick like that made on the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side of the ball just because... You know, we've talked about, you know, I don't think they're going to take a guy like Dalvin Cook. Uh, I don't think a guy like McCaffrey is necessarily going to drop to them or Leonard Fournette. Wide receiver, I, I don't know if there's, you know, you could take a guy like, you know, if Corey Davis is there or, or Mike Williams, but I feel like well, how is that guy getting out in the field given your receiver situation? I did. Cornerback. I can see a cornerback being a fallback plan. You know, I know Giants fans get very upset when you point out that, you know, DRC is 31, and he does have a $9 million cap hit, and he only played 66% of the defensive snaps last year. I could see that, you know, it's a great cornerback class. You just take a cornerback and figure that you need three, and you're not necessarily going to have DRC beyond this year, so you might as well have a guy in the pipeline to step in. So that's why I think the Giants would do it. Take a guy like Peppers, who they just, he can do a lot of different things, and they'll find a way to make him work. Take one of those pass rushes guys and try to use them in a, in a creative way to you know look I think we've all we've said this multiple times they need more pass rush production or just go to truly go best pick of available and if it's a guy like a cornerback you just take him I think cornerback's interesting because I think yeah we might underestimate how much of a possibility that is the, the reason I might hesitate in the first round is because it's such a deep uh cornerback class 
that uh, you could probably get a really quality one in the second or third round. But I definitely think that's that's something Jerry has obviously shown, uh, you know, with, just with last year that he's willing to you know take a corner early. You know, obviously values that position as you have to uh, in today's NFL. And, and there could be a guy who could slide, you know, whether it's a, a Gary and Conley from Ohio State or someone like that. That if you're really going to go best player available, which I, I still think there's always a caveat. I mean, you're going to go best player available, but all things being equal, if it's a position of need, I, obviously I think the scales tip that way. Um, but that, yeah, that, that is kind of a dark horse pick that maybe if some of the, the top guys we've identified are gone, the cornerback, there might just be such great value in a guy that, like you said, it, this could be a DRC's last year. It might make sense to to just really invest in that position because really, even even for this year, that guy would be able to play because they really only have uh, you know three top corners and then not much behind them. Uh, so hey, that is an interesting spot that uh, I think they'll probably take a corner at some point in the draft and and who knows maybe maybe it would be the first round. Uh, the thing that's really interesting too is when you start talking needs. I mean, this is an eleven five team made the playoffs. Not a bunch of glaring needs, but if you just you know I think we've both done a couple seven round mock drafts. You start to go through it, and it's, it's, it's easy to do a first-round mock draft, and it's also easy to do a mock draft when you're just kind of assigning the players to teams. But we've both used this uh, fanspeak.com. I, you know, I think if, if fans are looking to kill some time this week, it's, it's a great way to do it because it's, it's a pretty fun site. Uh, but the picks are made you know, automatically. They're simulated, so you don't have uh, a choice on, on who you're going to get when you're doing the Giants picks. You, know, you only get those seven picks, and the other ones are made for you. Uh, so I found it to be an interesting exercise because I wasn't able to fill all the needs. I went in saying, oh, I want to get an offensive lineman, want to get a defensive tackle, I want to get a quarterback, want to get a tight end. I went through seven rounds and didn't even get a tight end. So that, that was uh, a pretty big hole in my, my seven-round mock draft. I just felt like uh, the way that the, the board broke down in this simulator, um, there wasn't uh, the value there. They kept going uh, you know, 20 picks earlier than I wanted. And, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, you, you don't know that when you make your second-round pick that those guys that you like are going to go early in the third round, which obviously is what these real general managers uh, deal with. So I thought that was kind of fun to do. Uh, and, and, and even as far as the tight end thing, as much as I think it's a huge need and, and going forward it is, I did step back and say, this team played 11 personnel pretty much every snap last season. And now you have Brandon Marshall as the third wide receiver who is you know, a much better option than Victor Cruz. I think they'll be in 11 a lot again. So maybe with the, you know, the Red Ellison, Will Ty, Jarrell Adams combination, uh, you can get a, you know, some quality tight end play. I mean, maybe a little bit of reach. I think they, they still would like to get a tight end. But uh, that's kind of where I got in my head when I did my seven-round mock. I don't know, when you did yours, was there any spots that you found, hey, this might be tougher, or I had to reach a little bit to make sure I filled this hole? Just curious what your experience was uh, doing that. Yeah, I, look, I, I think definitely tight end. Defensive tackle is a group. I mean, I think everyone said, all right, Hankins is gone. They're going to go get a DT high. I mean, I just it's not a terribly strong defensive tackle. It's not a really the, – the lines of scrimmage, not particularly great in this draft, and – you know, obviously the Caleb Brantley, the, the Florida guy, you know, getting you know, being charged with you know, basically knocking a woman unconscious. You know, that that means he's not going to be in play, <laughs> and uh, you know, that's a that's just a, that's a big blow to an already not very strong you know position group. I, I think that all things considered, my guess is that offensive line, I, I definitely think you're going to get one, but defensive tackle, uh, running back, tight end, I think one of those positions. There's a chance it will not be addressed. You know, go back to tight end for a second. You know, the Giants, oh, you know, David Njoku, Evan Ingram, Bucky Hodges. Those those are guys that they might be able to become blockers, but they're not really necessarily complete tight ends at this point. And I just wonder, what are you really accomplishing if, 
you know, you, you let Larry Donnell go. Well, obviously you hope that, you know, whoever you draft is going to be better than Larry Donnell in a sense that, you know, he's going to hold on to the football and, he, and he's not going to, you know, jump on his head every time he tries to make a catch. But, you know, Larry Donnell was pretty athletic and he got open and he could do some special things on the field and it didn't really get the Giants anywhere. So I, I don't really see what the value would be in adding guy who's just a you know superior version of Larry Donnell. I mean, the offense didn't really click with him, and I don't know necessarily if that sort of, you know, pass-first tight end it w- would do a whole heck of a lot for the Giants. I think they really need to get a complete guy. O.J. Howard's obviously the, the dream guy. You know, maybe Jake Butt, you take a shot at him in the third round with an injury, but my guess is the defensive tackle will be the really hard spot for the Giants to fill if they really want to try to get an impact guy, if they want to take a guy in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, they shouldn't have an issue there. You know, a raw guy they can develop. But I think it's a very good chance we're going to come out of this draft and, and Robert Thomas and Jay Bromley are still going to be the guys next to Snacks uh, for that starting DT job that Hankins has left open. And maybe they're going to start to look toward the veteran market or the bringing an undrafted guy and see if they can develop him. Yeah, and I think that's the key point there that, it, you know, the draft isn't the end all be all for, you know, this coming season. Obviously, if you get a guy in the, the second round at defensive tackle, that's a guy you're going to build for the next four years. But if, if you strike out there or if you just don't like what's available there, you can get Jared Audrick, you know, plug him in for a year, maybe two if you get lucky and you still got something in the tank. So uh, I think that's always important to keep in mind that just as if the, the roster isn't complete at the end of free agency, it's really not over after the draft. And we still got a long time to go. There'll be undrafted free agents. There'll be, uh, you know, veterans kind of off the scrap heap. And there'll be guys signed in training camp. So uh, it's a long process. But no, I, I agree. Defensive tackle, uh, tough position. Uh, just not a lot of depth there. But, you know, they've, they've also shown that they've, they've been able to find these guys in the second round. You know, maybe you can go into the third round if, you, if Jay Bromley steps up. But uh, it's not a really a year where you're going to get one in the first round, I don't think. So I think maybe the way we can wrap this up is it's kind of what everything's been leading to this point. I think we'll probably write about this even more on the site this week. But uh, so you're on the clock. Again, obviously, we don't know who the, the 22 picks uh, leading up to the Giants are going to be. But just with some realisticness, you know, don't say Miles Garrett, but who do you think the Giants, uh, you can take it either way, should or would pick. Like if, if they're on the clock, 23rd pick, you know, the, there's some some realistic options on the table. Who's the guy for you? I think, you know, obviously, you know, we've talked with these guys, Garrett Bowles, Jared Davis from Florida, Zach Cunningham from Vanderbilt. I think those are the names. Maybe Cam Robinson's in there. I don't know if... I think the big key for the Giants is going to be, you know, what happens with Reuben Foster? How does how that impact? Because, you know, those teams ahead of the Giants are going to also be looking for linebackers. You know, Cunningham's kind of a name that's cooled off. You know, I just, there's been all this talk about they're not going to take an offensive lineman, they're not going to take an offensive lineman, that I know in my mock draft, which published Monday, I had him taking Cunningham with Bowles and Davis off the board. If Bowles gets to 23, I think there's a very good chance that he's the pick just because I think that there's a good chance that Davis is off the board and that maybe this is a little bit of a smokescreen in the sense that, you know, but no one, they've really left the door open in those, you know, what we talked about with that stuff out there. No one's ever said really challenge Bowles to standing as a first round caliber tackle. And I don't think it would hurt to bring a guy in like him that could maybe play right tackle to start and then could maybe switch over. So if Bowles is there at 23, I just have a hunch that there's a good chance he's the pick, although I don't think he's necessarily the, the top target, realistic target for the Giants. 
Yeah, no, when I did it, it's tough because there's just this kind of group of players. They all play different positions. They all have, you know, some strengths, obviously, but they all have question marks. It wasn't really an easy exercise when I did that mock draft I was talking about earlier. And, and when I was on the clock, I, I went with Davis. Uh, I mean, I passed on Bowles, actually. Uh, Tennessee's uh, Derek Barnett had slid. He might be a guy, if I maybe redo the draft, I might reconsider because I think he's uh, you know, going to be a really good player in the NFL. Um I went with Davis just because, you know, like I said, he might be gone. I mean, I think I just saw something yesterday where someone was saying the Lions should take him, you know, right in front of the Giants. So uh, no guarantee, obviously, he'll be there. But I just think that they need uh, a linebacker who is a, a different ma- difference maker. They Obviously, it's well-documented, 33 years since they've used a first-round pick on a linebacker. And even beyond that, it's not as if they've been throwing second-round picks or free agent money after it either. It's really a position where they've just kind of kind of gotten by, you know, uh, when you look at who they have, uh, you know, in the depth chart right now. it's I don't think there's anybody who was, you know, higher than a third-round pick or, or just kind of a, a low-level veteran free agent. So uh, it, it's not a spot they've invested in. I think you need to at some point. Um, I think even a, even getting a really good linebacker like Davis could offset the Hankins loss a little bit because you have a little more playmaking uh, at the second level. So it wouldn't all be on the defensive line to, to stop the run. So he's a guy that the injury question marks are definitely a little bit of concern. But I think that, you know, hey, injuries happen. Uh, I don't know if there's anything that's going to really plague him going forward. So maybe sometimes it's just luck. And I think he's, you know, obviously physical specimen so there's nothing about his body that suggests this guy's you know not uh you know in football shape or anything like that and and he really checks a lot of the uh the boxes as far as character from everything you you hear and read so uh i think that's a guy who could step right in if not you know start and play every snap uh could certainly have a role and then as you know as time goes on be you know kind of a a focal point of the defense going forward for years to come so I think he's a little bit of a, I don't want to say safe pick, but it's a little less risk in a guy like him. So that that's kind of what I would be looking for from the Giants, you know, at the 23rd pick. So, uh, you know, we'll see if we're right. Uh, odds that we probably aren't, as <laughs> it's it's really tough to predict this. And I think if you ask Jerry Reese right now, he does not know who he's going to take. So it's hard for us to know. Um, but, you know, we got through a podcast without uh, Joe Giglio on the mic. That was that was a challenge, but <laughs> hopefully you enjoyed this. Uh, congrats to Joe on the new addition to his family. And uh, I guess just keep it plugged in because James and I will be uh, yeah. cranking out the draft coverage this week. We'll be in Philly on Wednesday. Some of the prospects will be in town, NFL Network guys. Then we'll be in East Rutherford Thursday, Friday, Saturday, marathon event. I look, I think Dan said it right. Uh, when you're picking number 10 in the draft, you can kind of guess what's going to happen. Uh, when you're picking number 23, it's really difficult. I, I, the Giants probably don't know. I, I just think it, you know, at this point, the hay is kind of in the barn, and uh, you just got to see what plays out. So, you know, mock draft season's over, and the draft's going to happen. And, and before we know it, uh, not, basically the, the roster will kind of be locked in for 2017, and we'll kind of look forward. So that's it for us here. As always, Dan, thank you. Thank you, James. My pleasure. Uh Again, congratulations to Joe and his family. Joe, I, I believe we'll be back uh, to break down a draft with us next week. Episode 90 of Talk is Cheap in the Books. Keep it here at NJ.com all week long. We'll have tons of coverage from Philly, from East Rutherford, all the Giants picks, uh, what they do, what they don't do. And uh, we'll see you next time.